When I got the news about my girl. Uh-huh. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. I needed to know that my God yes. had me. Hallelujah. And I was anchored in what I knew about her. In that she was a woman of God. Yes. She was a friend of God. Made in his image. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And that she knew him. She knew him. And that anchored me down as she went home to be with the Lord. It says that we are absent from the body and present with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Well, thank you all for being here today. And uh, for for everything, the the worship team, thank you, worship team. Because at this point, I don't need to really say or preach or teach anything. The worship team did it for me. So I'm just going to dismiss y'all and, you know, have a good night. No. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's been a week. Amen. It's been a week. But we serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God, and um, it's funny, uh, as I was coming this morning, I was listening to the, t- uh, the, t- the video that Pastor put up for uh, on Monday from Ivy Hilliard, and I had to chuckle through it because there was much in that video that I'm going to share with you today. I was like, well, I could have saved myself some some issues here if I had just listened to this earlier. Amen. Amen. But, you know, God has a way of working things out. When pastor asked me to teach for him today, of course, I said yes. Sometimes, you know, there has been once or twice where pastor has asked me to teach and I've said no, because I didn't have anything in my teaching book. That's what I call it. And this time I had nothing in my teaching book, believe it or not. And my teaching book is a a notebook that I keep with ideas or phrases or whatever the Spirit of God drops to me in terms of revelation. That's that's my teaching process. Um, Sometimes it'll come, someone's reading a scripture or I'm reading a scripture, and something in that scripture will jump out at me to to write down, to teach on, and I call it my teaching book. Well, I had nothing in the teaching book that really kind of jumped out at me uh, when Pastor asked me to teach. You know, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening on Sunday, you know, and Pastor's saying, well, what you opened with, are, is that where you're going? I was like, I don't think so, but that's an idea. Let's write that down. We'll see. So uh, Sunday, I go home. I got nothing. I mean, nothing, guys. Do you know how nerve-wracking that is? And that was Sunday. And so Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. So I get up on Wednesday. I still got nothing. So I remind God what day it is. I said, Lord, you know today is Wednesday, right? And I'm teaching on Sunday. Like, he don't know today is Wednesday, and I'm teaching on Sunday. As a friend of mine said, this did not catch him by surprise. 
Might have caught me a little bit by surprise, but it didn't catch him by surprise. So as I was getting ready to go to work, all of a sudden, I hear, trust the process. Now, for those of you who are sports fans, that should sound familiar. Because I believe the 76ers who were in some kind of rebuild. I'm not a basketball fan, so if I get this wrong, please forgive me. But they were in a rebuilding of the team. And that's what they kept saying. Trust the process. Trust the process. The Eagles were saying, trust the process. Trust the process. So I was like, all right. Trust the process. What does that mean? You know, this is Wednesday. I'm going to trust the process. Unbeknownst to me, as I dug into this, he was talking about my teaching process as well, that I need to trust the process, trust that he's going to give me something for you and for those who are with us via the Internet, that he's going to give me something. I had told Daryl and Rashawn, I'll dust off something from Wednesday. Because I, <laughs> I taught on a Wednesday just recently, and usually that's when I teach. I usually teach on Wednesday when pastor is on vacation or what have you. So I'm going to dust, you know, and we don't get that many people out on Wednesday. No knock, no nothing, you know. But I said, the congregation on Sunday may not have heard it. I'll just dust it off. They looked at me with um, the normal look when I've gone to the left or crazy and go, no, you can't do that. So I said, okay, so I'm going to trust the process. And the process is that God gives me something to share. And it's usually something new. So it's like, you know, don't be trying to dust off Wednesday and, and call it new. Amen? Amen. Uh, so I was like, okay, so you're talking about my teaching process and that I need to trust it. And I'm going to delve into that a little more. By degree, I am a degreed process engineer. For those of you who may not know what that is, we are process people. And I'm a person of process. Uh, my mother will tell you many times, girl, always got a plan. You know, I always got a plan for something. You know, be it that I am going to redo the loft in my apartment and turn it into an office. I always got a plan. And with that plan, there's a process that I need to go through. Amen? Amen. So when we, when we talk about process, I still wanted to make sure I had the definition right. I know what I do in terms of being a process engineer, but I wanted to find out and go with the definition. So the definition of the word process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So during these, and during these last few weeks, as pastor has been teaching on the miracles of Jesus and the video he shared with us, these teachings show there is a process. There's a process to achieve a particular end. 
if we go back to our our sporting uh, analogy, the end is usually the Stanley Cup, the NFL championship. I don't know what they call it in baseball. I don't know what they call it in basketball. But there's a championship at the end. There is an achievable end that they are seeking. Amen? So in this end, it helps them identify the steps that they need to take. So they're working from the end. How do we achieve this NFL championship? How do we achieve the Stanley Cup? And we're going to work to the end. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It should because it comes straight from the word. If we look at Psalms 37, 23, and I took this out of the um, English Standard Version. It said the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways. And then if we go to Isaiah 46, 10, it says declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. But he says in that verse, declaring the end from the beginning. So God's got an end point. And then he's got steps or actions we need to follow to get us to the end. Right? Amen. Amen. So you can see how our spiritual journey or end is a process with our steps ordered by God. If we choose to allow him to be the coach. So that's kind of the first thing. Have you allowed him to be the coach or are you the coach? Many times I'm my own coach. And then I say to God, Hey, these are the steps I've come up with. What do you think? That's backwards. That's backwards. He's the coach. We need to go, coach, what are the steps? What are the steps I'm supposed to take? But see, you know, we, I think we sometimes we might be just a little anxious about what the steps are going to be. You know? We're thinking, he may ask me to talk to that person I don't really like at work. I don't really want to talk to them. I don't really want to share with them because they're not really nice, Lord. You know, so we say we want to talk to the nice people at work. That's going to be our process. Nuh-uh. We're not the coach. And we need to acknowledge that, that he's our coach. If we're going to achieve the end that God has in store for us, amen? And that end could be in, in any aspect of our lives. It doesn't, it, I don't just mean that eternal life, but I mean in whatever journey that you're on for this time, amen? Amen. So let's talk about some things that are going to help us, you know, get to the end. And I came up with some steps. I don't think the list is all inclusive. It may give you something to think about and to meditate on. And you can come up or you have some of your own steps. But I want you to know that your steps 
are ordered by God because he said so. So let's look at step one. And to me, step one is like the most important step that we can take. And that's trust him in it. You have to trust him in the process. Like the the team has to trust the coach in the process. If the team does not trust the coach, they're not going to follow the steps and you're not going to reach your end. Amen. You're not going to reach it because you're going to be out there going, I ain't following this. This is this is just nuts. Why am I doing this? So you don't trust the coach in the process. We have to trust in God in the process. Amen. If we look at uh, the definition, trust is defined as a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. I love it that it says the reliability Truth, ability, or strength of someone. In this case, we need to trust in the reliability of God. Hallelujah. The truth of God. His ability. You know, in one of the parables, they asked Jesus, they said, well, we know that you can do this. Our question is, are you willing? At no time in those healings, in the miracles of Jesus, did they doubt his ability to do this thing. Amen. So we need to not doubt our God's ability. See, I'm going to preach myself happy. I got news for you. Because I had to trust his ability to get to me what he needed me to have. Like I said, I reminded him, Lord, it's Wednesday. You know, it would have been all right if he dropped it on Thursday or Friday, even Saturday, because I've learned to get up at 3 a.m., write down what he tells me to do, hallelujah, and be ready to go, no matter what time I went to bed on Saturday night, amen? So I'm trusting, we have to trust in his ability. He's reliable, It says in the word of God that he is not a man that he should lie. So he is reliable. Who is the someone we need to trust? And that's our God. If we look at Genesis 127, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He created you. He created you. He knows you. He knows you well. He knows you better than your spouse. Hallelujah. He knows you better than your BFF, your best friend forever. He knows you. He created you in his image. I had a friend tell me once about about it. Um, If your car broke down and needed repairs... To whom would you take it? To the person that created it, that knows it, to get it fixed. You certainly couldn't bring it to me. Because all I'm going to do is look at it and go, wow, you need to take that to somebody to get it fixed. Because I'm not it. I'm not it. I might be able to fix something, but not your car. 
So don't bring your car to me, okay? So we need to know because God created us, that is the one we need to trust in, believe in. Why trust him? Why should we trust him? Because his word says so and he is not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Right there in the book. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he, and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Amen. That's who God is. And we need to trust that. We need to know that. So that when things get tough, and we're going to talk about that a little later, we can stand on that. He didn't lie when he said, this is what I have for you. This is where I'm taking you. This is where you're going to prosper. This is where you're going to be well. We need to trust. He's not lying about that. But we need to trust and believe in his reliability. We believe and trust in his strength. Because it talks about the strength of God. Amen? Amen. So when you when it comes down to it, why are we going to trust him? Because his word says so. And because of who he is. Who he is. He knows. And it says in Jeremiah 29, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, is what the English Standard Version says in that verse. So we're trusting him because he knows the plan for you. Like I said earlier, he created you. The word also says he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. When you were a thought, hey, let's have some children. Let's make a person (laughs) as a married couple. Let's make a person. God knew about that person you two were planning to make. Amen. So because he knew you, he had a plan for you. And if he has a plan for you, he has a way for you to get there. But again, we have to trust in him. And it also says in Hebrews 6, which is 11.6, which is one of my favorite verses, but without faith is it impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why trust him? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The key word here, diligent. Diligent. Because I found a verse, and I'm sorry that I didn't write it down, that talks about even the demons believe. Even the demons believe. So it's more than just believing. It's diligently seeking him. We have to give it our all and seek after him and seek after the plans that he has for our lives. He seek after him or for this journey that we're on. Amen. Amen. So the first step that we're going to take is we're going to trust him in the process. We're going to trust him in the process because of who he is 
and why he says that we should trust him. Amen. The next step for us is to know it. What do I mean by know it? We've got to know the process. We've got to know it. Because let me tell you something. The one, and I get, I get all of this every time. There is a, a communications rule. And the first thing on the communications rule is why. Why am I doing this? The why is important. So we've got to know it for the why in the whole thing. Why am I doing it? Sometimes, you know, we're not going to get the why. The why is because he said so. How many parents in here have used that line? I swore I was never going to use that line with my God children. Never. I said, that is so bad. And I finally got to a point where I was so frustrated with the little one. He goes, why? I said, because I said so. I was like, ooh, I sound like my mother. I sound like my mama right there because I said so. I had nothing else. I had nothing else. I tried logic. I tried everything, and I still got one more why, and I had nothing for the one more why. I said, because I said so. So that's why we need to, you know, because he said so, because he said so. But how do we know it? How will we know it? We'll know it because he tells us in Genesis 37, 4 through 11, he tells Joseph this. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him, and we're going to start up a little high and go down. More than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceful, peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There, were, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose, also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father... And his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. God told Joseph the plan. This was going to happen. He told it to some people. They certainly didn't like it. But it was told to him. So God will tell us. In 1 Samuel 16, 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. God told the plan. 
He told the plan. He said, I am going to anoint myself a king from the sons of Jesse. Amen. Amen. So he's going to tell us the plan. But again, it gets back to us diligently seeking him. For him to be, for us to be open to hear the plan. Because in this case, we have the prophet. He says, I, you know, I'm done here. I'm done here. Get up and go and do as I have said to do, which is to anoint my new king. And we know that he didn't like it. Because it says, how long are you going to do this? He's lamenting about Saul. And God's over it. God's over it. So again, God will tell us. Paul, in Acts 23, it says, But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So he told him, just like he told them, he'll tell us. Because it says that God is not a respecter of person. So he'll tell you the plan. Now, what you decide to do with that plan is kind of up to you. And we'll t- we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. Because you heard my thing. I was going to dust off Wednesday and come up in here. So we're just not going to talk about that. But what these folks decided to do with these plans is important because they were rewarded for that. So now we've got trust him in it, know it, and then there's a why is it important that we know it. It is important that we know it so that we are not destroyed. Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of of knowledge a lack of knowing without knowing you will flounder you will just stumble around in the dark and then stub your toe or step on a jack or step on (laughs) for those of you have boys or even girls step on a lego in the dark Without the knowledge, it says it is important that we know it so that we are not destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God does not want us destroyed. Amen. It says in his word, I have a plan for you, a plan for you to prosper and be in good health. Amen. Amen. So you you just can't have it both ways. So we need to know it. We need to know what God has in store for us, what the plan is for our lives. And he says that he will give us the plan. He knows it and he'll give it to us. After we know it, then it's important to execute it. It's important to execute it. I mean, you can know it and just not do it. That's disobedience. And we all been there. Like I said, go talk to the nasty person that sits at the desk over there. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not executing that. Call so-and-so on the phone 
and talk to them. Nah, you know, I'm not really a phone person, Lord. Okay, don't do it. Don't do it. That's not executing. That's disobedience. So if we want what God has in store for us, we need to execute. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be what you think it's going to be. But we must execute. To become, the main reason to, 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 of why we need to execute is that we become doers and not just hearers only of the word. James one twenty two. And the Weiss translation says, moreover, keep on becoming doers of the word and stop being hearers only. Keep on, keep on over and over again. Not one time, not two times, but be doers of the word all the time. Not when it's just convenient for you. Not when you feel like it. Lord, I just really don't feel like doing that today. You know, can, can we pick this up tomorrow? Being a doer of the word, the reason why is that is to please our Father. John 8.29 says, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. If we're out to please Him, we need to be doers. We need to execute what He's told us to do. He is pleased by that. Glory be to God. Amen. How many of you want to please God? That that's your aim in life is to please God. Hallelujah. I know when, when I'm right and I'm doing, and I know that I'm doing what, what it is and I, I almost can sense his pleasure. I get happy. I get happy. I am ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. And, you know, it, when I'm teaching many times, I'm just ecstatic because I know that I'm doing what he called me to do. His plan for me is to teach. That's what I do. When, it, when I was over in children's church, I taught every Sunday. You know, and people go, how do you do that? I said, because that's what I'm called to do. And when I'm executing his call when i'm operating in the call that's where everything is my peace my joy my prosperity everything is just wrapped up when i'm executing what god has told me to do amen amen that's what you'll find you know it doesn't sometimes start out that way on the way here i was like lord i can't be nauseous that's not good you know, I was like, Lord, you know, you need to settle this stomach on down here, you know. But the minute I get started, this is what y'all get. <laughs> Amen. This is what you get. It's hot up here and everything, but this is what y'all going to get. Glory be to God. Because I am where my God has said to be 
on November the 12th. I am doing what my God has said to do on November the 12th. I'm going to execute it to the best of my ability and believe that my God is going to do what he said he's going to do, which means his word shall not return to him void. Amen. It's going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished today. Amen. See, no pressure when pastor said, I know what Ethel can do. Yeah. Okay. No pressure, pastor. But however, I know And I'm trusting in the ability and the reliability of the one who sent me. Amen. Amen. So we need to execute and we need to execute it with everything we got. We need to give it, give it all we've got because we know what will happen in the end. My step four is that we need to stay with it. And I think... I don't know, that might be the hardest one, is to stay with it. Because with any process, it's over time. It's over time. And that's the thing that will sometimes get us into trouble, is over time. We're an instant society. Amen? Plug it in right away. That microwave... Dinner, an Instapot, dinner in like, what, 15, 30 minutes? I don't have one, so I don't know. I refuse to get one. I got enough gadgets in my house, but I refuse to get one. But according to people I know who have Instapots, you can have, you can go from frozen to eating in 30 minutes. Anybody got an Instapot and know that to be the case? Okay. We're an instant society. We got drive-thrus because we don't want to wait. But then the drive-thru line too long, we getting out of that and going, I ain't got no time for this. (laughs) It's supposed to be fast food. Why am I waiting 20 minutes in this line for Chick-fil-A? Are you kidding me? I'm getting out of here and I'm going someplace else. We are an instant society. We want it fast. And we want it good. I won't say that. But, I mean... Sometimes fast ain't good. <laughs> you know, you get it, it's cooked, they're all fast, and you're like, ooh, ooh, this ain't so hot here. Uh, what, what happened here? Amen? Amen? Or, or you go, oh my gosh, you go to the McDonald's and they give you your meal and you come out and your fries are cold. Some people I know will go back. They will remain nameless, but they will go back around and go, these are cold, I want hot. You know, but I mean, you you went to the window, what do you want? You know, I don't know. But we are an instant society and we like our stuff fast. So we need to stay with it though. We need to stay with it. Because um, Abraham had to stay with it, what was it, a hundred years, something like that? Something like that before the child of the promise came. How many of you have waited for something a hundred years? Well, most of y'all ain't a hundred years old, first of all, so you haven't done that, you know. But you're waiting for something. You've been waiting for something for a while. You have to stay with it. And our examples here when you, when you stay with it is you have limited understanding. That's what I was saying earlier when I said you don't know the why. You don't know the why. 
so your understanding of why I'm doing this, why am I executing this, your understanding is limited. Noah in Genesis 6, um, starting in verse 13, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch, and this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it, to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Noah's going, okay, you've given me the specs. I got the specs. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And all God said was that he was going to make it rain. And everybody's going, what's rain? Limited knowledge. Because it had never rained on the earth before. So he had limited knowledge of this thing called rain. He had a plan for what God said to do to build this ark. Why am I building this ark? Because it's going to rain. Lord, what's rain? And you know the people laughing at him. They are laughing at him, but he had limited knowledge. Staying with it is hard When you know beforehand, it will be difficult. You know what's at the end of this thing. God tells you what's at the end of this thing. But the journey in the middle is going to be difficult. If we look at Acts 9, it says, And Saul Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest. And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether there were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He's got limited knowledge of what he's going to do. Now Saul thinks he's doing what God told him to do. He out there breathing fire and brimstone on people, arresting people, killing people, just, oh, just doing all kinds of havoc because he thinks this is what God's plan is. So God's changing the plan. He's saying to Saul, no, you're wrong. This is what I want you to do. He has limited knowledge. But what I want you to see is I want us to go to, um, let's see, where am I going? Uh, verse 9, no, I want verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, 
I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go in the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 16 is where we get into. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He shows Paul what he must suffer for his name's sake. It gets tight with the plan of God sometimes. You stay with it even when you know it's going to be difficult. Because you trust in his ability. You trust in his reliability. You're trusting in his strength. It gets difficult to stay with it. But we need to stay with it. Because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See how I go back there? (laughs) It comes back there. It all comes back. But we have to stay with it. We can't just go, you know what? I'm done with this. And then still expect for God to show up for us. Still expect to achieve what God has said he's going to achieve on your behalf. Amen? You've got to stay with it. And understand that you've got help to stay with it. Glory be to God. We got to help. We got to help her in the Holy Spirit to stay with this thing. So Paul knew it was going to be difficult. Your enemies are out to get you. This the one I like. I like them all, but this the one I like. Because we think, because we doing what God said to do, that it's just going to be all right. That nobody should come against us. Amen. This thing should be smooth as silk. Where is that in the word of God? Somebody please tell me. Because I really want to find it. Because I can't find it. I can't find it. Because if we look at David in 1 Samuel, it says, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, to all his servants, that they should kill David. He wasn't... (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't bashful about what he was going to do or any, oh, where am I? Because I'm, where am I? Oh, verse 1, D. I'm sorry. I cut that out. Sorry. Let's jump to 8. We can go to 8. Don't worry about it. I'll get there. (laughs) He says, um, and there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck Am I right? Okay. Oh, yeah. Struck them a mighty blow and they fled from him. Now, the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. 
Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. Your enemy's out to get you. Has anybody had the spear thrown <laughs> at them? If you may have felt, thought of it, um, what's the word, in, in theory, it felt like a spear, the words that they did or the, the actions that they did against you. But a physical spear while you're sitting there and they throw it. Your enemies are out to get you. Stay with it. David stayed with it when he knew that Saul was out to get him. He had a couple of opportunities to kill Saul. But he knew that that was not the plan for his life or the plan that God had for this. Amen? So he didn't do that. He, he cut off a piece of his robe just to show him, hey, I had the opportunity, but, you know, I'm a friend of God. I'm a man after God's own heart, and God has anointed you to be king. Now, he's anointed me to be king, but my time is not here. So when your enemies are after you or out to get you, you still need to stay with it. You have to stay with it. It costs you something. It costs you something. In Luke twenty-two forty-one, it says, okay, where did I, oh, here it is. Sorry about that. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And verse 44 says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And we're talking about Jesus. It costs Jesus something to stay with the plan of God. The plan of God was that he would go to the cross, that he would take upon himself our sins, that, his, that by his stripes we were healed, that it would go to and be accounted to him for what we had done. He who knew no sin became sin for us. It cost him. It cost him his relationship with the father at the cross. Amen. Because it said they separated for the first time in all eternity. It cost him. But he stayed with the plan because as the song said, he had a crown. He had a victor's crown. He had the crown of life. Hallelujah. It cost him something though. But he stayed with the plan. Amen? And it, as it costs you something, the last one here is you don't know how it's going to work. You, you can't see how this thing is going to straighten itself out. I have to go with Mr. Lamar's thing on this one. See how God drops stuff around? Mr. Lamar had no idea what was going to happen. With that situation. He stayed with it though. He had been executing 
God's plan the whole time. Amen? He's executing and doing what God is telling him to do. He is talking to people the way God says, talk to them. He's working with them with the way God says to work with them. And all of a sudden, something happened. And he doesn't know how this thing is going to work. In our case, in our in the Bible, we're going to look at one of my favorites, and that is my boy Abraham. In Genesis 22, starting in verse 2, it says, Now take your son, your only son. How many of you know that Abraham's got another son? I'm taking Ishmael. I don't know about nobody else, but I'm taking Ishmael up because I know what's going to happen here. Because he needs him to sacrifice somebody. I'm taking Ishmael. He takes Isaac. Again, stay with it when it gets hard. Because it's getting ready to get real hard up in here. He says, Whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. He knows the plan. He knows it. You're going to sacrifice Isaac. Like I said, I'm taking Ishmael. I don't know about nobody else, but that's who I'm taking. Because, you know, I know that Isaac is the son of promise. Okay? Okay, Lord, you just got the name wrong. No, God was very specific. Take Isaac, your only son. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? In verse 8, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Abraham wasn't sure how God was going to work this thing out. He just knew he was. Because Abraham, if we read more of this, is ready to sacrifice Isaac. He lifts up the knife. He was not playing. He was not joking. But he said that God would provide for himself a lamb. Amen? So he's like, listen. I don't know if he's going to raise you up. I'm not sure whether we're going to have another son of the promise. Me and Sarah, who's over, you know, a hundred and some odd years old. But I don't know how he's going to work it out. But what I do know, what I'm relying on, is that he will work it out. And that's what we need to stand on. And that we are staying with it when it gets tough. Because I am guaranteeing you, based on the word of God, based on my own understandings and my own experiences. Guys, it's going to get tough. It's going to get tough. And you stay 
with it. Amen? You stay with it. So as you travel the journey, oh, wait a minute, I got one more. Ten, verse ten. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. He had no idea how it was going to work out. Glory be to God. But he stayed with it. He stayed with it. And that's what we have to do. We have to trust him in it. We have to know it. And we have to know it like as, as they talk about, um, they were talking about faith, is that we have to know it, the know the faith facts, just as if we know that this chair is going to hold you as a physical fact, that God knows the plans that he has for each and every one of us. He knows those plans. And as, as he knows those plans, he has steps for you to take to get to that end. So as you travel the journey that God has laid out for you first and foremost, trust him in it. Trust that he knows your end from the beginning. Seek him diligently so you know without a doubt the steps you need to take care of for your good. And lastly, stay with it no matter what for the reward will be great. Amen. 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 Father God, we thank you. We thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it shall not return to you void. I thank you, Father God, that it will accomplish that which you set out to accomplish. That, Father God, we will trust in you. We will trust in your plans for our lives because you know us, Father. You know the plans you have for us. You've called us. You've equipped us, oh, Father God. And you've given us a helper. You've given us an example in your son, Jesus Christ, and a helper in your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. So as we go from this place, Father God, we just go rejoicing and thanking you for all that you are doing in our lives, for the journeys that we are on, and that we are steadfast, Father God, in our knowledge of who you are, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So thank you all, and I have a note from Pastor, I got to share with you that Pastor has been texting me back and forth. Uh, Pastor was in the hospital, what, Wednesday and Thursday or Thursday? He's still there. He's still there. But he's been texting me. <laughs> I'm like, why is he texting me? So then when I finished the teaching, I sent the teaching to him and everything. And I said, I wasn't sure if you had access. He goes, yeah, I took the computer with me. <laughs> That's your pastor. He took the computer with him. He sent me the bulletin. And then he also sent me this this little note. For the Monday video this week, we have Brother Jim Hockaday teaching on why my miracle doesn't come as I imagine. Many times believers think a miracle can or should come this way because I think 
it can can or should. So why doesn't it? Like I said, you know, we've we've told God what our plan is and we want him to to join up with that. And so this is on that line. I'm not sure why he titles the message the way he does, but it's not a title I gave it. There is a time of ministering, healing before and after the service, making it a longer video, but they are worthwhile parts of the service to watch. Hope you enjoy, and as always, I so enjoy your comments, feedback, and what stood out to you in the video teaching, Pastor Steve. So so know that the video is going to be posted, and it may have already been posted across the platforms, knowing our dear pastor. So have a great week. Thank you all. Be blessed. Say, as Pastor would say, say hello to somebody on your way out. Thank you again. (laughs) Amen.